Today we come to the end of this series that I've called Keys to Healthy Relationships. And we've been thinking about some virtues that we find in the book of Ephesians that help us develop healthy relationships throughout our lives, whether it's family or friends or church or work. And, and we've talked about Ephesians being very much like a, a handbook for church living. Uh, Paul wrote this letter, if you will, but it also feels more like something that would be passed around churches. And, and that's what we see in chapters 4 and 5 as Paul develops some of these virtues that help us develop healthy relationships. And it's one more reminder that a book that is 2,000 years old speaks very powerfully into our time and our culture and our lives because this is the Word of God. And God's word speaks to us on the lives that we should live. Now, today we come to a virtue that you might have thought would be the very first one that we would talk about, and that's love. And, and love is so important to our relationships, and we already know that, right? I mean, we don't have to be told that. And yet, when we think about love and think about what a virtue it is in our lives and our relationships, the problem with that word is it means so many different things, right? I mean, we can talk about loving someone in lots of different ways. Our, our relationships in our lives, even the ones that are most important, express some very different kinds of love. Like the love that we would have for a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend would be very different from the kind of love that we have for our children or our parents which might be different, again, from the kind of love that we would have for our siblings or maybe the people that we call brother or sister in church, our friends. All those are different expressions of love. And in fact, that's why in the Greek language that the New Testament was written in, we find several different words that we translate over in a way that doesn't fully express the meaning. We translate over into English as just the one word, love. Greek has a word that describes what we might call brotherly love, where the city of Philadelphia gets its name from that kind of love, to, to love someone as a brother or a sister, kind of the love that we have together of, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as friends. That is not the same kind of love that is romantic love, and Greek had a special word for that. And then there's this third word called agape that was all about the self-giving, self-sacrificing love that Jesus showed us so clearly on the cross. Each one of those, a very different thing, and, and we sort of know what that's like. So when we just use the word in, in, in the English language, love, and talk about relationships, well, what kind of love are we talking about? What do we mean when we say love? And here's the next thing is that we each bring a different understanding of love to a conversation, right? Because I have been loved in different ways than you have. The way that our parents loved us sort of speaks into how we love our children or love our families. The examples we have speak into that. So each of us comes to this with a slightly different understanding of the word love. So when we say love is a key to healthy relationships, well, what are we talking about? More important than what am I talking about, what is Paul talking about? 
And so today I want us to think about that as we come back to Ephesians. We're in the section that last week I told you is often called a household code. And so Paul has laid out, this is how different members of a household relate to one another. This is what they bring to the table. And as I said last week, we really need to read the whole thing. So I encourage you to read Ephesians 4 and 5 and, and read that whole household code. But especially when Paul talks about husbands and wives these two things go together, all right, and they build on one another. And if you take one of them out, it really doesn't work very well. So everything we talked about last week, maybe if you weren't here or didn't get a chance to listen online, I encourage you to do that and listen to that message because it goes hand in hand with everything we're going to talk about today. So in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul's talking about this household code. He introduces it with this verse that I read last week, Ephesians 5. 21, where Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we said this whole household code, whether Paul's speaking to wives, husbands, kids, parents, whatever it is, is done in mutual submission. Okay. And then last week we talked about how Paul spoke to the wives specifically about submission, but the context of all of these relationships is mutual submission. So at times we are saying, I'm going to put myself under the leadership or the direction of the rest of my family because they bring something to the table that I don't have. All right. So that's the context for all of this, us allowing different ones to lead because of the gifts that God has given them. But then in verse 25, Paul speaks specifically to husbands. And this is what he says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, one of the very first things we need to note as we read that verse, as Paul calls husbands to love their wives, is that the word that Paul uses there is the Greek word agape. Now, for those who have heard me teach, you know, we've talked a good bit about this. This is the self-giving, self-sacrificing kind of love. Now, one of the things we might ask is, Paul's talking about marriage, which is a romantic relationship. So why doesn't he use the romantic love word that Paul had readily available to him in Greek? The word is eros. It's where we get our word erotic from. So why didn't Paul use that romantic love kind of language in this section about husbands loving their wives? Now, I don't think it's because Paul thought that somehow romance didn't matter. Or that it's not important for marriage. We know that it is. We know that that is part of a healthy marriage. But what I think Paul knew was that agape, self-giving, self-sacrificing love, is the love that helps a marriage last for decades. Right? You can have romantic love and it is hugely important. But if you want a marriage that's going to last 10, 20, 50, 60 years... You've got to have some agape in there because you've got to have two people who are willing to give to one another. And in this passage, Paul is calling husbands to give to their wives, to love them in a giving way as Christ loved the church. Exactly what does that mean? Because how did Christ love the church? To the point that he was willing to die on a cross. And that's what Paul is saying. Husbands, love your wives to the point that you would give everything you have. You would give life itself 
for this person that you have chosen to live your life with. That's how much she means to you. That's how much you're ready to give. That's the kind of agape that marriage is built on. The kind of love that Christ has for the church. But of course, Christ didn't just die, though that was the culmination of everything. Christ spent three years showing the church what it meant to live life and giving everything he had all day long, every day, to the people who would become the church. So this is ultimately a self-giving relationship. Giving our lives, and if need be, giving up our lives for this person that we live with. Now, Paul goes on to continue to talk about this, but one of the things that's really interesting about it is that we have lots of household codes out there. We have Greek philosophers who wrote household codes. We have Jewish leaders who wrote household codes. We have Christian leaders who did. But what we find is that almost none of them call a husband to love his wife. There's plenty that call wives to obey husbands, submit to husbands. They tell husbands how to act as husbands and fathers. But almost none of them say, husbands, love your wives. Now, isn't it interesting? Remember, as far as we know, Paul is not married, right? We don't have any record of him. And he talks about being single, basically. So we don't think he ever married. And yet, being a follower of Jesus changed his understanding of what marriage was about to the point that he made a totally different leap about what marriage looked like than the rest of the culture. Husbands, love your wives. It was pretty unique in the ancient world. What informed that? For Paul, it's Jesus' love of the church. Isn't that interesting? So Paul goes on to explain a little bit more about this, about how Christ brought brought the church as a gift to God. But then he picks up again in verse 28. In this way, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. You know, when we we get home after church this morning or a little bit toward the afternoon, none of us are going to have to remind ourselves to eat lunch, right? I certainly won't. I'll be ready as soon as I leave this place to go find some lunch, okay? (laughs) A lot of us will. We don't have to remind ourselves to go to bed at night. We don't have to remind ourselves to drink some water. It's natural because our body tells us what it needs and we respond naturally to that. And Paul is saying the relationship of marriage should be such that the husband loves agape, self-giving love, loves his wife so much that it becomes natural for him to attempt to meet her needs. He loves her as much as he loves himself. It's usually not hard for us to take care of ourselves, but sometimes we have to remind ourselves to take care of other people. But Paul says if you want a healthy marriage relationship, one of the things that a husband needs to do is to love his wife and her body as he loves himself. And then Paul brings that again back to the church. And says we are members of Christ's body. And it reminds us again that we are attached to one another. Not the first time that that image and that reminder has been in these passages that we find in Ephesians. And so the husband works to meet the needs of his wife. Now, as we think this through, 
what we find is that there are implications for other relationships, right? Paul is speaking to marriage and he says one of the, the real bases of marriage is love. And in fact, he, he brings all this together in verse 33. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. That's sort of that same thing that we talked about last week with submission. So Paul brings it all together and summarizes it there, love and respect. And there are books that are written about love and respect, how husbands really want respect from their wives and how wives really want hus uh, husbands to love them. Now, that's not to say it doesn't cross the other way, because it does. Most women want some respect too. Most men want some love as well. But Paul is saying, listen, this is where a marriage is built. And you take one of them away, a husband who doesn't truly love his wife, or a wife who doesn't truly respect her husband, and it becomes much more difficult for that relationship to survive. These are keys to healthy relationships. That's what Paul's talking about here in Ephesians. So what does this speak to? How does this teach us in our other relationships? Paul is saying that this kind of agape, so it's not about romance here, right? It's not about pursuing one another. This is about giving to one another. How does that speak to other relationships? I think it's just basically very simple. Here it is. Love is the foundation. Right? It's the foundation of a healthy marriage. Certainly that romantic love is part of it, but agape love is what carries it through. And for other relationships, it's still the same. We are called to love one another, and it is love that walks us through those relationships. Now, you know, marriage is certainly different, right? I mean, marriage looks different for, from other relationships. And let's think for a moment about the implications for marriage, and then we'll widen that out. Marriage has a long arc that very few of the relationships in our lives have and certainly is, re requires and involves a certain amount of intimacy that is in no other relationship, right? Physically, in terms of time, in terms of energy, we devote more there than anywhere else. So it, it's different, okay? And it requires more agape, more love than any other relationship. You know, I have a minister friend who has a really close relationship with his wife. They've been married for decades. And, and he said someone came to him not that long ago and said, man, I really wish that my relationship with my wife was what you have with your wife because it looks like y'all fit together and, and life is so good for you. So what's the secret? And he said, you know what? There's, there's no shortcut here, right? There's no way to make it easy. The relationship that we have is the result of making decisions over and over again to do what the other person wants, to do what's best for the other person over decades. And you know, I think, I think he's on to something there, right? I mean, when we act selflessly, when we act for the good of the other person, over and over and over again for a matter of decades, what does that communicate to that person? It communicates, I value you. What's important to you is important to me. And maybe not because I love that thing, but I love you. That's agape. Little things, day in and day out. Certainly the big things too, 
But even in the very small things, showing that person that they have value. Now, that's one of the ways that you make a healthy marriage. But it's not just about marriage, is it? It affects other relationships as well. Our other relationships require agape love. Self-giving, self-sacrificing love if that relationship is going to last for decades. We have to make the decision over and over to give. Now, no other relationship are we probably going to give as much into as our marriage. Okay? But then we widen that out to being parents, to being children and having parents who have needs, to our friends, to the people in this room. And we begin to see that we need a lot of love, that agape requires a lot of us. It won't require the same things as the closest relationships, but as we look, what are my resources? What can I use in my life to bless other people? I mean, when we see people around us who are hurting, how can we as the church say, well, there's this person in our church who's really hurting and we have resources that would help them, but you know what? It's just too much trouble. Well, we can't do that because we have this kind of self-giving, self-sacrificing love. Now, can we solve every problem for every person throughout the world? No. And I can't love the several billion people in the world the same as I love my spouse or my kids or the church. But operating in the resources that God has given me, the time that God has given me, I can show love for the people around me. And we all can. I mean, we have an incredible capacity to pray for the people around us. I mean, that takes some time, but not much more. Maybe a little discipline. And so we have the choice, am I going to do it or not? I mean, we get a prayer list every week. We get prayer email updates. You can get those from our church that let you know what the prayer needs are in the life of our church. And the question is, am I going to take that and actually pray for these people? It's a way of using what I have to bless someone else. And certainly I think our church is good. If there's a person in our church who is in need, we say, okay, what can we do? What can we do if we combine what we have to help that person out? And that's the kind of love that I believe Paul is talking about in marriage that then extrapolates out to all of our other relationships. We use the resources that God has given us to show his love to the people around us. Love is the foundation. You know, in many ways, this last virtue that we're discussing really could have been first, maybe the most important, but we come to it last in the text. And I wanted to allow it to put, sort of put a period at the end of this sentence that's been this Keys to Healthy Relationship series because it reminds us that our relationships are not just about what I get from other people. I mean, one of the reasons that we want healthy relationships in our lives is because my life is better if those relationships are healthy, right? I'm going to be happier if I'm sort of at peace with the people around me. But that's really not what this is all about, is it? This is about I have been given such incredible love by God in the form of Jesus on a cross that I've got to express that same kind of love to the people around me. 
Am I always good at it? Not always. But it's what we're called to do. And so we, as followers of Jesus Christ, should be beginning to learn what it means to give as Jesus gave. To take what God has given us, the resources he's made available to us, and use them to bless the people around us. Because ultimately what we know is love really is the foundation. Let's pray together. God, we know that we have been loved by you in a powerful and amazing way. And we are thankful for that. We're thankful for the gift of life itself. We're thankful for Jesus' example. We're thankful that he went to a cross and died there for us and then was raised from the dead. God, help us in small and great ways to have the same kind of love that Jesus was willing to give us. Maybe we won't do the same things, but that same kind of love can be at work in our lives, in our words, in our actions, even this day. God, use us to communicate your love to the people around us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.